it made me realise that I have resilience that um, prepared me to go through what I had to go through with my son Noah. I always, um, you know, think that there is no way, had I not been through the tsunami and then all the counselling afterwards of all the post-traumatic stress that I had, had I not been through that, I would not have had the tools, the resilience. I wouldn't have had the the gumption, for a better word, to then be able to go through what I've been through with Noah. So it, it was my training ground. Mm-hmm. It was my absolute training ground. And, yes, it is a, a, a metaphor for the fact that I see adversity and I bring it on and I look at what can I learn, what can I understand, what's the shining light out of this, and then how can I use this for um, community, for external? It's not, nothing's about me. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Oh my gosh, am I excited to introduce you to the Self Love Podcast this week, a very special and amazing guest, the amazing Kirsty Worth. Kirsty is not only a gorgeous friend of mine, but she's someone who I really respect and admire. She has an unbelievable long list of degrees and qualifications that she's done through university, but it was through her own adversities that she really did use those skills, particularly around research. And she created a company in the end called Cultured Wellness, spelt with a K. Now, this is through her own health struggles and challenges. And then, of course, with her two children, Noah and Maya, who she has really gone to the nth degree to work out how and what makes our gut so powerful in healing and also, of course, in how we think and behave. You're going to love this podcast. We dive into all of her own personal journeys, but also her remarkable uh, survival through the Boxing Day tsunami and how that really taught her how to rise above and survive and solve problems. You're going to love how she speaks throughout this podcast and you're going to fall more in love with her like I do every single time I get to hang with this gorgeous chick. I really hope that you uh, will take away from this podcast uh, the power of never giving up. That would be my biggest uh, message for you. Don't give up. And as you listen to Kirsty speak today, know that she is someone who runs a remarkable company. So if you do have gut or health issues, you might want to check out her website, Cultured Wellness, that's K-U-L-T-U-R-E-D, wellness.com. Go and check it out. I love her cultures. I love making her kefirs, her yogurts, the diversity dough. She has got recipe books. She's got amazing programs. I promise you, you're going to love today's podcast. Enjoy. So it gives me huge and great pleasure to welcome one of my dearest, most precious friends, the amazing Kirsty Worth. As you can hear in the intro, she is someone super special to me. I feel privileged that she's not only a mentor and a wellness advocate, but she's also someone who really truly does, I would say, look after my heart. She makes me feel good. She is someone who makes her clients feel good. And she is someone who truly can help a multitude of 
people. And today we're going to get into finding out exactly how she does that. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, beautiful Kirsty Worth. Thank you, Kim. Thanks for having me. And gosh, what an introduction. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, look, it's our second time we've done this interview because the last time we recorded with the sound off. So that was interesting. Um, <laughs> well, we had a great chat. <laughs> Um, but sweetheart, you know, I really, as you know, this this topic is very dear to me. And I truly believe that self-love is the precursor of all things. So it doesn't matter what's happening in life or what you want to do with your life. When you have a tank filled with your own ability to love yourself, you can do anything. Would you agree with that? And if you do, what is your definition of self-love? Oh, I would absolutely agree with that. With someone who uh, until I literally met you, self-love was like, oh, who does that? That's those people. You know, like I just, from you know, like I just didn't understand it. I didn't get it. I didn't understand the difference between possibly what social media puts out as self-love and what true self-love is. I, I, I couldn't understand what was going on there until I met you. So I am just such a huge proponent of it now. And for me, self-love is grounding back to who you are and then once you've grounded back to who you are of course you love that person because it's exactly who you are so um however you choose to ground back to who you are everyone's different some people it's a massage others it's you know listening to beautiful music or dancing or whatever it might be but for me it's that taking that space to ground back to go you know what like I, I got this and I, ha- I have got these beautiful assets or I can give to my community or there, there are beautiful things about me that I, I can honour and I can, you know, enhance. And so I, I think it's that grounding back rather than the, the action and that really helped me to find that connection or understand uh, this whole social media self-love as opposed to true self-love. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because uh, for me growing up, if someone loved themselves, they're a bit full of themselves. So it was almost a put down to love yourselves. Yet as we get older and those of us that are mums would love nothing more than for our children to love who they are and celebrate who they are. Mm. Was there ever a time in Kirsty Worth's life where she hasn't loved herself? (laughs) Probably up until about seven years ago. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Oh, I've had a shocker. Um, when when your body's out of balance, which really was most of my life, it's very hard to be in a skin, in a body um, that feels bloated, that has diarrhoea, that has brain fog, that's always in pain. It's very hard to love that, you know, that suit that you're in. It's very hard to love that body. And you're always, I, I never relied on my, could rely on my body. I could never wake up in the morning and go, my body's going to do what I want it to do today. I had no um, no ability to trust in my body. And because, as you know, I love my sport so much and I love my travel and I love getting out into life, there was nothing worse than, you know, being on a hiking trip or a rock climbing trip and then wake up and go, so you decide to do this today, do you? So now I can't, you know, bend because my back hurts or now I'm on the toilet while everyone's gone off climbing or I've had to stay back because the pain's so bad or those sorts of things. And so I really have never loved my body because I never trusted it because it it hurt a lot 
And because one day it would be inflamed and the next day it might be okay. And one day I could play netball beautifully and then the next day it was, you know, like terrible, my hand, you know, butterfingers. I, there was no trust and therefore there was no love and therefore there was big moments of, um, yeah, really don't like myself, really don't like myself. Do you know what's fascinating about that? It, have you learnt through time that it's not that you can't trust your body? Was your body responding to external influences making it react that way or was there actually also a problem with your body causing it that no matter what you did, was there a, how did you work that one out? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, there were major, major problems going on with my body. And, of course, what you teach so beautifully, I missed every single signal that my body was telling me to listen in, slow up, make sure you are, you know, being curious and understanding what's going on for your body and connect in there as opposed to a complete disconnection and connect to everything else but your body, <laughs> you know, I could connect to the most beautiful mountains, but my own body, no way. So I didn't listen to the signals. And if I did, I just didn't want to. And I give myself credit now because I, I had no help. I had no support there, you know, way back then, there was certainly no Google to like, you know, bloated and typing it in and going, my gut's bloated. And it pops up and says, Hey, try gluten free. You know, there was none of that around. And so I, I literally, when I was, I think my mum said I was around about five and I would just scream and yell and I couldn't sleep and I had restless legs and I was, you know, always had tantrums or these big highs and these big lows. And she took me to a naturopath and the naturopath said to her, this girl can't have sugar and gluten and dairy and processed foods. She's very sensitive. And my dear poor mum just went home, what's gluten? And they went to the library, no books. Oh, I don't know. Oh, well, uh, here's your cheese sandwich, you know. <laughs> so there really wasn't, um, you know, so I, my poor dear mum, like today she's sort of like, oh, my goodness, if only we had, you know, those resources and that understanding, which is why it's such a joy for my me and my mum to hand that on to my, my daughter Maya now. And so she'll never have, you know, these feelings because she we have the resources. But, you know, if we had those resources, if I understood how my body hums and how it works really well and what are the things that um, don't support it, like everything would have been completely different, which is obviously oh. why I'm so passionate now about rabbiting on about how to look after your, your gut. <laughs> See, they say we only get to experience what we can handle and also what we most teach is what we most need to learn. Yes. So that's fascinating. But Kirsty, how come, how come you had stomach issues? How come you were so sensitive? Like how would someone listening to this go, oh, my gosh, everything she just said is me? But how did you find that out and what created that? Yeah, so a combination of an environment, diet, lifestyle, genetics, everything, you know, um, antibiotics and um, just, just, you know, the list is endless. But it did get worse um, when I sort of went through my, my party years, so even more not looking after myself and disconnecting. But I came to that understanding because isn't this interesting? It will teach you, everyone a lot about me and this complete lack of self-love. It wasn't until 
my kids had problems that I was like, okay, high alert, we have to do something about this. And even when I was going through the research phase of understanding what was wrong with my gut and my kids' gut, it was still only focusing on them. Oh, no, we don't have enough money. I'm going to get the kids tested first for because you can get these awesome gut tests now that, you know, analyse your gut microbiome to find out that, yes, I had Clostridium difficile, I had Streptococcus overgrowth, I had parasites, I had really, I mean, the C. diff, it's very serious, very, very serious. I'm surprised that I, you know, was able to do so much in my life. And my kids had that too, but it wasn't until my son, you know, he couldn't speak, he couldn't develop, he couldn't learn that, you know, I was that, you know, mum, just a, you know, a, what is it, red rag to a bull, I'm going to solve this problem. But it was a long time of solving and looking after the kids and the only when they finally got better and there was finally balance was when I turned turned it around, that big 360 view, and went, if I get better, the whole family will get better. I have to focus on myself. And, you know, talk about the big, you know, slap of a wet fish over your face it was like you you just can't you have to look at yourself you have to look at yourself to to be there for the kids and now my role in in our community at large I I have to nurture myself for the job that I need to do now isn't that an interesting analogy and an awakening? And I'm sure many women would certainly relate to it. What would be your biggest piece of advice to make sure you do do it? Because it's all very good and well hearing it and knowing that we should take care of us. And, you know, there's that, I hear it all the time, you know, well, I haven't heard it lately on a plane, but, you know, fill your own oxygen, <laughs> take the oxygen tank first for yourself before you put it on others or mask. But how, how, what's the aha? Do we have to get that hurt and pain? Till, till we get slapped by a fish or do you think there's a simpler way? Well, I hope that, yes, I don't want anyone to have to go through all of the pain and all of the trauma and all the issues, certainly that I went through or just any of them. You know, I, what it is is having incredible educators like yourself where we can start at, like, my daughter's age. She's 10. You know, she has your beautiful oils and she's spritzing and she's... Oh, Kim, have we got time for story? Because yeah. you know I love a good story. So last night I went over to pick up my daughter, Maya, and she was at her friend Joya's house. And mum, mum, come in. Now Joya's mum is an acupuncturist and she has a table set up in her back room. Mum, mum, come in. And so I, had, I went in and I had an appointment with the two girls. And so I laid down on this bed, you know, the table, and, like, what an experience because I had none of this um, when I grew up, but they took me through a meditation. And so Maya led the meditation. You are in a field with the fairies and now you are moving. And I was like, oh, my gosh, she's reenacting the meditations that I take her through or that we put on for her. And then she was like, these special oils I'm spritzing for you now will help you breathe. <laughs> and then... Then they massage the oils in and then the head massage. Imagine that you're in a mountain because she knows what helps me connect. And, I mean, I I mean, of course, it was the best thing ever. These, you know, they were mass. I had two of them massaging my feet. And then at one point it was hilarious. They're just throwing water over me. And I'm like, oh, that's a bit cold, girls. <laughs> you know, I, I may need to refine that part of the pamper therapy. But, 
um, you know, they understood what meditation can do and they understood caring for someone else, that feeling of caring for someone else and, and nurturing someone else. And, and they understood, you know, the groundingness of oils and taking time out. You know, I said, you know what, girls, you know, we do. I've got to get home. I've got to cook the dinner. But you know what? Absolutely get me on that table. We can do this for 15 minutes. And, you know, what a great way forward of what we're now teaching our children and then therefore teaching ourselves because there's a whole lot of mums out there teaching their children, but are they doing it themselves? And wasn't that just awesome? I'm so proud. I wish they'd got a photo because those sorts of things are phenomenal. And, you know, they learn by example, right, like you just said. And if we want our daughters and our sons to be extraordinarily caring aware of love and self-love and aware of caring for another, then what better way to do it than to be that person? Mm. I want to ask you, you are vigilant when it comes to research. You are one of the most passionate souls I know, intelligent woman, incredibly curious, amazing insight and never goes with the status quo. Where did that come from? That's a very good question because, um, I often have behaved a bit like a deviant in my life in lots and lots of ways. And, um, you know, it's very interesting. I do, I just don't like the status quo and I like to question and, and why, why are we doing this? This is not a great option. Why is this happening? And so I think it probably comes from my Papa Garnet a little bit. You know, he would always sort of question things and, oh, that's not good enough. Try another way. Um, but I think also because I've had to problem solve so much and I've had to um, I've had to find out how to survive with all the things that have been thrown against me. And so I I either had to problem solve and create a new normal or really just, um, you know, I would have been in all sorts of trouble, really. I would have really gone down a completely different path in my life. So um, I, I certainly see it in my mum's side of the family um, and my Papa Garnet, but I think it comes from my resilience of being faced with some very significant things in my life that I, I just, you, you solve or you sink, really. Well, let's talk about that because I'm sure there are many people who know your story from a health perspective, but I want I, one of the stories that still brings goosebumps to my neck every time you tell it is during a, a time of survival and your family didn't know who you were, where you were, what had happened until they saw you with your pigtails on television. <laughs> Could you tell us that story? Oh, well, um, I, I can't say unfortunately because I think it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So fortunately um, I was in the Boxing Day tsunami. So um, it's it's certainly been a pivotal sort of moment in my life because what I went through on KPP, which is an island um, just off of the coast of Thailand, was all of those things of going through very quickly the, the shock and the fear and going through that um, being extremely resourcefulness of making sure that, um, you know, we, we can survive, we can get help we can you know I remember clearing a part because the island's very tiny for those of you who know KPP and very few of us got off the island and I remember um having to you know clear the way so the helicopters could land so we could get people 
um, who, you know, hopefully were going to survive, get them onto a helicopter that came the next day. We didn't really have any help for the first day. So just before you carry on about the helicopter, what were you doing? Did you have any warning that there was a tsunami? Like what was it like? Well, no. So, um, no, I did have warning. I I do have this attuned connection to nature. It, It is something that's very part of my soul. And I remember being in the shower, so, yes, I was naked when the tsunami hit. (laughs) I I just wanted to reiterate the detail. I was going to hear it. (laughs) um, But, yeah, I remember looking out the window and seeing the trees moving, but the leaves weren't moving. So if we think about palm trees in Thailand, they do bend and flex because of that tropical environment they need to. And I remember seeing the trees moving but not the leaves and there was no birds. And I thought, that's really odd. That's really odd. And so then, um, yeah, I sort of screamed and yelled at my um, boyfriend at the time, like, go out and have a look what's going on. And, you know, and he opened the door and, and sure enough, there was the tsunami coming full pelt. But back to your um, original question, my dear family thought that I was on the main beat in the villas that were the worst hit. They were completely annihilated. Um, and we were double booked. And, of course, when we got there and we were double booked, you know, you know, we, it's Christmas. This is where we wanted to stay. How dare you double book us? This is, you know, where are we going to go now? And we had to go off and find somewhere else. And, and sure enough, the place that we found was just a little bit up, so a little bit of elevation just around the corner just a little bit that of course was just absolutely life-saving for us that we we you know had that but my poor family they thought that we were in those villas on the main beach and my uncle is a crazy mad scientist and he has a seismograph on his farm as you do and so he actually measured the earthquake (laughs) and reported back and um, reported to the bureau of you know australian and um, reported back to my mum looking at the data looking at the tsunami looking at where she was there's absolutely no way that she's lived through that and so my mom and my, well, all of my family, not just my mom, but my whole family, which that's what they thought. That's where they thought that, um, you know, I had been washed away. And so plans had been made to send my cousin over to, you know, hopefully identify my body. And meanwhile, I had no idea that any of this was happening. And I was just, you know, pulling people out of wreckage and carrying stretchers and, getting people to higher ground and trying to work out what is going on here and more waves coming, what's happening. Um, it was just such a time of confusion and really not any understanding of, um, you know, is it just us or what was going on? So, um, yeah, it was a, a, a very hard time. And <laughs> I, we finally, a, a doctor came on the next day and, um, she had a satellite phone, which was a massive deal back then. Of course, we didn't have mobile phones. And she said, look, this is all all around the world and it's all over the news. You need to contact your family. And at that moment, she said, well, you can have my phone. And I forgot our phone number. I forgot our family's phone number because, I, you know, I hadn't slept. I, it was just crazy, absolutely crazy. And so our friends that we were with, they rang their parents in Melbourne 
and I said, there are four Toomses in the phone book, my maiden name. Find the ones in Hawthorne Dean and ring them and tell them that their daughter's alive. And so this dad from Melbourne said, look, I don't know what's going on, but I've just had a phone call from my son and your daughter, Kirsty, is alive on CoPP. And you can only imagine, is this a hoax? What's going on? What's happening? And so that's how they found out. Um, and my sister who lives in LA, she, um, I was carrying a stretcher and I always, I used to have very long blonde hair and used to plait them all the time. And she had seen from helicopter footage someone carrying a stretcher and she'd said to my mum, if Kirsty was alive, she'd be the one carrying the stretcher. That is her with the plaits. She, she'll call. She'll call. And then, you know, sure enough, some random guy from Melbourne calls and, and then I think it was the next day I was able to remember my phone number and get on to them. But, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I just, the story just gives me goosebumps. We had other friends that were in the tsunami. They were separate. He'd gone up to watch the cricket. She was down lower, but they were separated for three days, didn't know where each other were, badly injured. Like there was just the stories, even the film Impossible, I think it's called. Like it's just horrific to watch. If there was a metaphor for that to life, if there was a metaphor of that tsunami in your world, it almost hearing your personal story and that is is kind of like a bombardment. Uh, it, I don't know, hearing you tell that made me kind of feel like you were telling your life story. Can you see any metaphoric messages in what you've been through? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, um, which one, Kim? Oh, <laughs> you choose. Because, yeah, absolutely. It it made me realise that I have resilience that um, prepared me to go through what I had to go through with my son, Noah. I always, um, you know, think that there is no way, had I not been through the tsunami and then all the counselling afterwards of all the post-traumatic stress that I had, had I not been through that, I would not have had the tools, the resilience. I wouldn't have had the, the gumption, for a better word, to then be able to go through what I've been through with Noah. So it, it was my training ground. Mm-hmm. It was my absolute training ground. And, yes, it is a, a, a metaphor for the fact that I see adversity and I bring it on and I look at what can I learn, what can I understand, what's the shining light out of this, and then how can I use this for um, community, for external? It's not nothing's about me. And so... Um, yeah, I, I afterwards when I got home because I was so on deck on the island of just helping people and I was just at 100 miles an hour, I absolutely collapsed when I got home and did need months and months of care and support and counselling and I never would have got that, never would have got that and I don't think I ever would have learned those tools and I would be a very different person had I not gone through that experience to get to where I am now. Yeah, it's very hard, isn't it, when we're in the middle of adversity or the throes of challenge or in the depths of despair. It is very hard to think into the future that one day you'll be grateful for this and to sit there and go, oh, I'm so happy this is happening to me right now. (laughs) (laughs) To, To anybody going through a tough, challenging time right now who may be in the depths of despair or may be feeling like it's just too overwhelming, whether it's a health condition a problem in the family, a PTSD or any mental condition. And I, I, I don't say that lightly. Mm. But if someone is going through some sort of challenge, 
what would your advice be? My advice is absolutely to ensure that you, number one, understand the healing power of being out in nature and then you also embrace it and take part in it. So it's one thing to understand the healing power of nature but it's another thing to actually be in it amongst it, immersed in it and to allow it to heal you. So um, it's very, very important to, to, to use that and when you are feeling it, the, the lowest and at the depths of what's going on for you, it's very hard to then pick yourself up and go, I'm going to go for a bushwalk or I'm going to go and sit down on the beach and just watch the waves or I'm going to go camping tonight and I'm going to do it on my own and I'm going to just let all of that energy and I'm going to let all of that, you know, the vibration of being out in nature to hold me up and to give me that big hug and to help me. And um, you just, and when you get into the practice of it, you start to crave it and you start to realise, oh, my goodness, I, I, need, I need a dose i got to get out there. And, but it takes a lot of energy and a lot of time and, and it's scary and it's a, a new muscle that you have to flex and learn. But once you understand there is something out there that can hold you and it doesn't, um, doesn't, uh, doesn't want for anything else, you don't have to pay for it, it doesn't you know, expect you to cook at a roast lunch on Sunday afterwards, there's no expectation, it just holds you and it cradles you while you need it, that's when you when you get into that rhythm, it, it, gosh, it's just, it will just guide you and help you through anything, anything that you go through. So, yeah, my, my advice would be get the 10 out, get out there and, and let, let one of the best things that we've got access to nurture you. Yeah. I've found that even myself, walking my beach barefoot, yeah. even on my days that are really busy and you think I haven't got time for it, walking out to the letterbox. I just did it this morning because I've been on the go all day yeah. and I thought I've got to get outside. So I took my shoes off, walked outside, stood on the ground, grass, looked up at the sky, said three things I'm grateful for, came back in and got back into my work. I have a, a an app on my phone, Kirsty, that every hour it goes off like a Chinese gong thing and it's a reminder to stand stretch spritz and smile do you have any quick rituals just to quickly feed and nourish yourself when you can't go hiking or you can't climb a rock or you can't go camping and you've got kids at you and a husband that needs you and a business that needs you what are your daily kind of go-tos yeah well I use your spritzes that's a big one for me because I do get this energy kick from it there's a vibration in them that I really feel, um, especially the rose ones. I know that you've talked a lot about there's a very high frequency for that. And I, I notice it because, because I, I can feel the frequency of nature and so I, I remember that and I feel it. And so I'll do the spritzing. Um, the deep breaths, holy smokes, I, I really do use them. Those three big deep breaths are very, very, very important. And um, I do like to turn off my phone a lot and not have this constant barrage of pinging going at me. So if I feel myself, which is, you know, as you said, mum, husband, business, da-da-da-da-da, when um, it's pretty much every day, when I feel like 
um, you know, it, it escalating when you can feel it kind of rushing up and you feel like, wow, this is getting too much today. Uh, the biggest thing that helps me is to stop even more of that high alert coming in because, yeah, my phone goes off, there's emails, there's this, there's people wanting me. And so that has helped a lot. Such a simple thing of going into aeroplane mode helps me just decompress and go, you know what, I will get back to that and I will, I'll be able to serve everyone and answer everyone. But right now it, I just need to settle myself. So, yeah, they're the, probably the three big ones yeah. and, and music. So <laughs> I'm a big fan of, and we won't get into it, but a big fan of vagal tone and calming your nervous system um, and singing has a huge part to play in supporting that vagal tone and so having a belt out <laughs> is a really good one a really good one work out that chorus like no one else yeah. <laughs> um, I know you did a singing workshop and a, a beautiful stress release workshop for want of a better word with the amazing Wes Carr and that really changed things for you didn't it absolutely Absolutely. I, um, well, anyone hanging out with Wes when he's doing those workshops, you're going to be changed for life anyway. But um, it did. It was finding that inner confidence in my voice and being confident in, in you know, what I've got to say. And really, because, um, yeah, I've once again never sort of trusted my body and, and had that real lack of confidence and self-confidence. And so, but I used to sing in a band. Singing's a big part of my life. My, you know, it comes down the line. My sister's a very famous singer. And so um, to be able to find that confidence in voice and then, you know, Wes gave me some great tools to, to ground using that. I, I still use them now. It's been such a wonderful. And, but once again, it was self-love. It was actually, you know what, I'm going to take the time out. I'm going to do this workshop. I'm going to commit to it and even though it feels like, oh, I could be doing other things with my time or my money or, oh, my gosh, this is so self-indulgent, but that had a huge part to play in my growth and development. Yeah. You just said something before around, you know, the vagal tone and calming the nervous system and we know that 90 95% of all disease is related to stress and I've heard specialists talk about the sympathetic dominance and that we can push our body into that red zone and then fight or flight. That affects the digestive system hugely, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, could you explain to us the impact of stress and what that does in the area that you are so clever in, which is all around digestive and gut health? Yeah. So we have two modes in our body. So as you talked about, we've got our... Um, you know, fight and flight and we need it. It's a great place to be in. You know, you can get stuff done when you're in fight or flight. But we or survive also, a tsunami. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then be in fight or flight for another two years after that. But, or we've got this rest and digest. If you can imagine a light switch, you can't have a light switch half on. It's either on or it's off. And that's exactly what happens with our bodies. We cannot be halfway in between we're either in fight or flight or we're in rest and digest now when we're in fight or flight there are no resources going to our digestive system all our resources our blood flow everything our you know peristilic action to move the, the food through absolutely everything is away 
from our digestive system and is going to our major muscles like our you know big quads and our strong arms to run and to action things so if you are in that state all the time you will never digest your food it's as simple as that whereas if you flick that switch over to rest and digest that 500 mils of blood that is needed to go and digest the meal rushes on in and supports that digestive capability we need, you know, stomach acid to digest. We need all of those beautiful, you know, digestive enzymes. So our pancreas has to be working. Our, you know, stomach needs to be thriving on making sure we've got all those things. We have this phase in our brain called the cephalic phase, which is the start of the actual digestive process. It's even before we put something in our mouth. The cephalic phase won't recognise food get that onset of those digestive enzymes and stomach acid and that process happening, getting all those, you know, beautiful enzymes in your mouth, it just won't start if you're in rest and digest. And so sitting in your car sucking down a smoothie is, you know, just completely blocks that digestive system. You're focusing on driving your car. There's no way that cephalic phase can kick in because you're trying to not crash. And then, you know, then there's no enzymes, there's no stomach acid, there's nothing happening. And most of us eat like that all day, every day. Very, very few people actually sit down, take their breaths, acknowledge that they're eating beautiful food, eating at the table, communing with other people, you know, with the family, having chats, how was your day, what's going on, what's three awesome things that happened, what did you learn? Um, it's very rare to have that happen now. And so we find that people are in this huge state of dysbiosis, in this huge state of imbalance with their body because the main mechanism that helps us to thrive and absorb food is basically just switched off like that light switch for years, years and years and years. So I would say most of my life I was in that you know, um, state of fight or flight and wouldn't have digested a thing. So it's, and there's really cool stuff now that you can do to, you know, to see am I in fight or flight or am I in rest and digest? People don't even know. They've never dropped themselves into rest and digest to actually know that they're there. So we actually literally have to put oximeters on people's fingers, which measures your heart rate and your oxygen saturation. And so some people, they, you know, they're sitting down to eat and their heart rate's over 100. You know, it's like, have you been for a three-hour run? Oh, no, just answering some emails. And, you know, if you do your deep breaths, we know that you can get that down under 70. It's like, okay, I'm ready to eat now. And so we need a lot of feedback. We've got to get back into understanding, where am I? What does my body feel right now? Am I stressed or am I not? Every single client I work with, are you stressed? Oh, no, I'm handling it pretty well. <laughs> How are you not stressed? One of your children is hitting you right now as I'm talking to you. How are you not stressed? <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? And I think it's the unawareness, lack of awareness, yeah. that or the choosing to ignore the signs because, as you said, there's often whispers, but we just choose to ignore them. So headaches, little tummy pains every time you eat something, you get a certain pain in a certain part of your body, 
maybe not sleeping, maybe barking at people, maybe finding, finding yourself stressing when you're driving, you know, and getting annoyed with people. Like all of these are signs and whispers. Yeah. And then the body will start hitting you where you might, you think you've just fallen and hurt your back. But for many people, they haven't realized that they haven't been aware, which is why they tripped in the first place, which is why now their back's sore. And then if you go into any of the work, like I guess Dr. Bruce Lipton or Biology of Belief or Louise Hay, the body, it's interesting the areas of the body that hurt according to our emotional state. Exactly. Do you agree with that as well? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I see it all the time. It's very interesting, um, you know, at Culture Wellness, we deal with a lot of people who have parasitic infections and they're so fearful, so fearful, and it, it drives their day. It absolutely drives their day, their decisions. And so we see this um, fearful state that then brings on this imbalance and, you know, it enables infections and bacteria and parasites and yeast and all these sorts of things to come in because it's like, brilliant, this is the home for me. And then we, you know, we can't fight that. And then we see even more fear and even more anxiety and even more imbalances happening. And it's it's such a shame because, yes, if we had have listened to, oh, my back's really sore and thought about, I wonder what my kidneys are up to. And then I know that fear is linked to kidneys. What's going on here? What am I not looking at? What am I, who, do I need to talk to someone What's going on? What am I anxious about? What am I fearful about? How can I look after myself, my thought process, my kidneys and my gut? It's the whole picture. It's not just physical and it's not just that emotional thing. It's, it's the whole picture. And that's that's the stuff that gets me fired up is like, okay, we found what's wrong. You know, we've done the test. We know what's going on. So what's going on with the emotions there and what's going on with those organs? And let's just put all of this in one beautiful picture back together again for you. It really is holistic health at its best, isn't it? That's something I know that you're very big on emergency medicine and you appreciate it. And I'm sure being in that tsunami, there was nothing more great than seeing the medical helicopters arrive and, and helping to treat people and all of those things. But then there's our everyday wellness and our holistic integrative medical approach and natural approach. And I think people really underestimate, well, it seems to be in my experience, the thing that you mentioned at the very beginning, which was our ability to be in nature. Mm. And I've just spent a few days in Brisbane and I just couldn't believe this function I went to, just how many people really are overweight or pasty or um just they look inflamed and, and you become more conscious of it, not in a judgmental way. I'm not looking at them thinking, my God, what are you doing? Sometimes I don't know if people actually even realize what it's like. And my daughter turned around to me and she said, Mom, do you realize there's probably people that have never felt what it feels like to be well? Therefore, that is their normal. Yeah, yeah. How would you if say to someone you love that you can see, maybe you yourself are going through transitions and change and you're learning and you've been doing more gut health and you've been really conscious and you're really aware of what you're eating, you're mindful of your thoughts and feelings, you're taking deep breaths, you're saying grace, you're stepping outside. You do, Maybe you're trying all that, but the people in your close proximity aren't. A husband or a wife might not be interested or they don't think you know enough or what are you into now or, you know, yeah. like for a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What did Cindy's dad always say? I'm the I'm the guilty recipient of my wife's latest book. Um, 
<laughs> I'm the result of my isolated book, but but how do we enable and help the people around us? Or is it more important that we actually stay in our own path and focus on ourselves? What would your recommendation be? Absolutely. So when I found about out about the um, incredible gut microbiome and how amazing it is and what it can do to turn your life around, holy moly, did I just want to sing that from the rooftops? And did I get very, very vocal about it? And I have learned that that was not the best path forward. <laughs> and it was enthusiasm, you know, like grand enthusiasm. But um, there, it created divides. It created issues. And I, I, didn't, I didn't really understand that people either weren't up with my enthusiasm or it was so confronting for them that they hadn't had time to work through their position that they were coming from, well, they just just didn't care. It's like, I feel fine. Don't, like, you know, stop it. So, you know, it's really interesting now. My greatest advice for people that are going through that is you, you act as the most incredible role model where people just want to ask you, like, how do you keep up with everything? Or, wow, you, you, your skin always just seems to glow. And do you not have any problems sleeping? Or, you know, people ask you, like, don't you ever, I get asked all the time, don't you crave sugar? Like, come on, come on, surely every couple of weeks you just down some chocolate. Or um, really, do you actually like sauerkraut? Or is it just because you have a business in fermented foods? <laughs> like, you know, I get asked these things all the time. Like, really, come on, you can secretly tell me. And, um, and it's just that modelling. And it's that consistent modelling. And I can absolutely tell everyone right now that with that consistent modelling, you are so surprised at all the people that eventually come around. And so, you know, we had this massive watershed moment with my brother um, many, many years ago. And it, and it got to the point that I wondered whether we would ever speak again because he was so confronted with how we changed our eating and how we had changed our lifestyle and when I said to him oh we have a water filter on our shower because I don't want chlorine like is it like what now you know what are you doing now and it's like who cares what laundry detergent you use and what even is that stuff it smells like the wet socks from my footy change room like that's gross you know (laughs) and he was so confronted by this and I was so overt and challenging and so we got to this real watershed moment camping and I, I just realised I just I had to swim in my own lane, I had to back away and I had to just celebrate how I was feeling and what was going on. And then, of course, now he works for Cultured Wellness and the whole family, you know, ferments and, and benefit from that because we just modelled it as opposed to being very evangelical about I always, I always say that be the example not the evangelist yeah. you know it's really important to be on your journey I love what you said swim in my lane and I think it's really critical that we honor everybody's journey as their own mm-hmm. um, and when they're ready they come or not you know some people choose not to yeah. talk to us a little bit about cultured wellness um, tell us what you do offer and how that's changed so many thousands of lives the business I didn't want to have Kim yeah that's the funny thing, you know, I my parents were in business when I was in high school and I remember vowing I would never own a business. Who would do that? There's no way I would ever do that because, you know, they worked so hard and and all of the ups and downs and the highs and lows. And so 
Um, Culture wellness really came about because um, during our recovery from all of our health issues, my son and my daughter and I had a um, gut transplant. We were a part of a research study in Canada. And when we came back from that and that life-changing experience for my kids, we were referred to having these um, whiz-bang probiotics that cost about $250 a bottle. Now, I was teaching maybe one day a week and then looking after the kids. My kids were very young and my husband was doing, you know, classic, you know, man providing for the family. He had um, gone to run a medical clinic in the mines just to earn more money because the our bills for our health, especially for Noah, was so high. And then it was the final blow. Like, I I can't buy these bottles of probiotics at $250 a pop and buy one each week. We, We can't. We're barely even earning enough to feed our family. So I went back to the research and I got curious and I flicked on that part of my brain that is just problem solve. Let's problem solve this. And that's how the culture wellness culture started. And so I worked out how to use food as medicine. And so we started making coconut yogurt and coconut kefir. And one cup of this beautiful coconut yogurt or the coconut kefir was the same strength as the probiotics, but of course, barely cost a thing. And it was food. You know, I was teaching my kids that food is medicine as opposed to medicine and having to take medicine all the time and being a slave to paying for these medicines. It was like, this is it. This is food. This is how we should be doing it. So the cultures came about. And of course, as you know, I was like, oh, I'll give them a go. And then someone else wanted to try and someone else wanted to try. And now they are literally sold all around the world. And yeah, thousands and thousands. And we, we just had a meeting just recently and I couldn't believe the number of people who have been through our website and purchased our culture. It was actually a shock, a huge shock to me. Um, and then after that, people would ask me, well, how did you rebalance your gut? What tests did you do? And at this time, there wasn't the availability. Gut health was not cool and sexy as it is now. No one knew anything about it. And so people started asking me questions. And so I started you know, helping a person here or giving some, you know, oh, I tried this or I did this. And and sure enough, it started to become, I think I better go and study this a little bit more and get my qualifications to help people. So as you know, I've done way too much study, but I went back again and did more study and uh, to get my qualifications to help people. And, and the beautiful culture wellness programs were born that have literally changed thousands of people's lives once again, all over, it's all online. And then from there, we've got our beautiful teas and the diversity dose and making your own sourdoughs and breads and the list goes on. And and at no point did I ever want to be in business. It, it, uh, it's called to me and I'm, I'm here with it. And, and you know, it's, it's, an, it's everything that I wish I had and I wish my mum had had when I was a child. I've put that together. And got the, the resources there, the, you know, the practitioners there, the health coaches, the products. I've just made this little environment, this world that I wish I hadn't had so I didn't really have to have the life that I had. So other people don't. You know, they, they can just, okay, go to culture wellness, have it all solved and get on with my life. So it's a beautiful Amazing. place. It's a beautiful place. And we focus so much on community 
because I know that people don't get better by going to see their practitioner every three months. You just don't. And I think one of the most beautiful things that you've created is, and perhaps that's why you've had to go through everything you've gone through, there is nothing like experiencing someone else's journey to understand what they're saying, what they're feeling. And I think that's something that your team do really well. Uh, I know that all your team go through your programs and protocols so that they understand how someone will feel when they can't not have something that they're used to having. One thing I'd love to ask you, I know we're coming to the end, but I just wanted to ask you, you know, to make life changes and health changes is big. A lot of people will do a protocol or a program, eight weeks, 12 weeks, maybe even a year. Um, But it tends to be people that some people tend to finish the protocol and day one of the next day, they think they can go back to the way they ate. What's your advice around that? Yes. (laughs) So number one, understanding why did you do that program? Why did, why did you start this? And what, what are the changes that you're making? Why did you make those changes? So no one will stick to anything if they don't understand why they're doing it. So really taking the time to understand why you're doing something. So like you said, I'm doing an eight-week program. I'm just following the list. There's no way you understand why you're doing it. What are the, you know, the long game changes? How's this going to make you feel in a year's time? So you've got to understand why. But it does come back to your absolute grounding sort of compass of people won't make the changes or they will make the changes, but they'll go back to their old ways because they haven't learned to love themselves and learn to honour their bodies and learn to make that space to love their new body and what they've come, you know, where they've got to. And so I see it all the time when people like, I I did the program, but I didn't really, you know, find any changes or I just went back to my old ways. And it's like, yeah, but maybe you didn't listen to the little sign about the fact that you're not, you know, eating in peace and quiet. And so you're still not digesting your food or, you didn't, you know, listen to that little that little one on the shoulder telling you, okay, so, you know, this is probably coming from this pattern that every, and this is a classic one that I see all the time, when the kids come home at 3 o'clock, your stress levels go up so much that you crack the wine and the chips. So why are you doing that? Let's look at why you're doing that and the fact that there's no tools there to learn how to calm the body, calm the nervous system, keep the house in check. So, you know, people don't escalate. And so you don't then go for the carbs and go for the sugar because as soon as our cortisol levels go up or our stress levels go up, our insulin levels go up and then we crave sugar and carbohydrates. And so I I just all the time, oh, as soon as the kids get home, I, I just can't handle it. I, I, I woke up and I had 10 chocolate bars in my mouth. I what? I, did, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> so, you know, that classic, oh, I can feel myself escalating. What's going on here? This is the moment where I start to go for the donuts or the shortbreads. Let me start with those tools that I learned. The deep breaths. Oh, I can feel it coming down. Now I don't crave those foods. I just want to go and have a beautiful broth or a beautiful chamomile tea. I want to nurture myself. I want to put some oils on and, you know, calm the kids down. 
And let's as a family create this new norm rather than just everyone escalating and everyone eating out of the same packet of chips. <laughs> I, agree. I agree. And one of the things well, one of the things I learned from a very young age is if you don't want to eat it, don't have it in the house. That's yes. one good thing. And if you don't want your kids to eat it, don't think of it as a treat. Um, there's so many things you can do. And well, the fascinating thing for me is I guess I call them non-negotiables. Once I learned about how a food could damage me or hurt me or it didn't suit me or serve me, it became a non-negotiable where I wasn't prepared to go through the day, the 24 hours, the 48 hours after for the suffering. And doesn't mean to say that we don't all have a champagne when we're out at times or occasionally when you and I have been away, we've eaten something at a restaurant that we know is not 100% what we'd like. But then sometimes I think the emotion of connecting with a girlfriend and being out and doing that is way more powerful than, you know, not eating something. Yeah. But I've also learned, Kirst, that yours and my idea of something bad is a lot of people's good, you know, and, and you know, so and, and I learned that years ago when I did a body sculpting competition when I remember reading Bill Phillips' book, Body for Life, and he said on my bad days, on my naughty moments is when I'll have a turkey wrap. And you sit there going, wow, a turkey wrap. That's bad. You know, I mean, from a health and weight loss point of view, it was for, for what hit with all the mayo and all that sort of thing. And that was my first inclination when I did a body scotting competition, just how much food really does affect every single one of our 50 trillion cells. What are some of the good love foods that you would recommend that we could eat? Whether we have a problem or not, what are some of the foods that you just say to everybody, this is just brilliant to have in your life? Yeah. Well, absolutely, from the get-go, like a beautiful grounding broth is just so lovely. It's got all, like, from the techie side of things, you know, it's got all the amino acids, so it's literally going to give you that boost of neurotransmitters. So you're going to have a kick of dopamine. You're going to get a beautiful kick of serotonin, and it's going to, you know, nurture and soothe your gut. So there's a reason why for eons in time we've had chicken soup. You know, there's a reason for that. So I would start with that broth. And then absolutely, I would just start with some um, fermented foods. So, and fermented foods that you love. So it doesn't have to be, you know, the um, smelly sock sauerkraut. You know, you can make at home a beautiful, you know, diversity dough loaf of bread with a, you know, beautiful butter melted on the top. And it's such a grounding food. It's warm, it's nourishing, but to know that it's doing your, you know, your gut the wonders, it's helping to support that motility and that digestion and all those microbes and all those things that we want. But it's just that soft, warm, melted butter over bread, which everyone loves. So I, you know, I would go for and the good quality fats. Of course, I'm going to talk about that. So when we want to feel balanced and centered and calm we know that the fat is where it's at that's what helps us to feel that and it drives our hormones it drives our neurotransmitters it supports our nervous system and when you know that you know one food can do that for example you know if you're having you know a beautiful ghee for example and you're just popping a little bit of that ghee on top of your dinner or whatever whatever you're choosing to have you know that it's going to make you feel settled and indulgent at the same time and balanced and nourished. So, um, I, I mean, I could go on. I could talk about liver pate. I could talk about coconut yogurt. I could talk about, 
vegetables, you know, the list goes on. But, you know, if you woke up one day and you were, you know what, today is not not my day. It's just not my day. I My advice would be is go for those grounding, beautiful fats. Go for a cup of bone broth and, yeah, like have a beautiful um you know, slice of diversity dough and some warm butter on it and all of those nurturing things will build you up during that day and you'll find that balance again. What do you love about Kirsty? Oh, <laughs> oh it, would, it would definitely have to be my resilience and my ability to solve any problem. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just love solving problems. <laughs> Our beautiful friend Helen Pattern that we, you know, both dearly love. We all, we go hiking together, and we always joke about people say like, "Why do you guys go out in the bush for like ten days at a time? Carry everything on your backs? Like what the?" And one of the biggest things that we always say that we love is actually solving problems. Like, oh, the tent's broken. What are we going to do now? Because here comes a hailstorm, or we're lost. How do we get ourselves out of this? Or this campground looks like it's going to be flooded at night. Should we go here? Should we do this? Should we do that? Or I'm stuck on the side of a cliff. <laughs> what now? <laughs> and, of course, my ability to problem solve in, you know, my business and my family, you know, I just, it is my greatest strength. I only see solutions. It's My brain is wired in quite an interesting way and I actually don't see the bad things that can go wrong. I only see solutions. So it, it's, it's wonderful to have mm. that little skill of, okay, this happened, boom, let's go in this direction as opposed to kind of, oh, but what if, but what if. It's- I love it. I so love that about you. And I, I want to add to that you've got the most amazing smile. You've got yeah. the biggest heart. You care greatly about people and not only just people that you love and they're in your circle, you actually care about the humanity and the evolutionary processes of us continuing on this planet your picture, your vision is bigger than big and you've been thrown in it and I'm proud to say that you took the mantle and you've, you've nailed it. So, uh, you know, from, from if people listening to this, I know we can't get everything there is to know about you out of this, but if they wanted to follow you, where could we get you? Uh, so all the usual places and um, my beautiful company is called Cultured Wellness with a K, so K for Cultured Wellness. And so Instagram's more my everyday kind of cruise. So you'll see more of my family and my kids and the silly things I get up to. But, of course, Facebook, we have so much information over there and we have an incredible community group of, I think we just hit 10,000 people of asking questions. (laughs) My cement's not working or how do I do this or can someone give me some advice? And we literally have a team manning that seven days a week, 24 hours a day to support community. And then, of course, the website. So they're the places to find me. And is that culturedwellness.com? Yes. And your podcast. Oh, yes. <laughs> you, which you are the starring light. Um, I have a podcast, which now you've got to know me a little bit more. This makes sense. It's called Culturing Curiosity. Yeah. So, and both Ks, so Culturing Curiosity with both Ks. And, and that is where I love interviewing people about how did you get curious to solve a problem and make it your superpower as opposed to, you know, just flatlining your life and, and having the worst effect on you? So the same as you, many friends, um, you know, 
listening to how they solve problems, but also some really great people about they saw an issue and they solved it. And it's so inspiring. I love it. <sighs> I do too. And I think I can, I never tire of your podcast. I never tire of the guests. It is such a beautiful platform. And I've had your herbs, your beautiful broths. I do enemas. There's another whole conversation we could talk about. We actually, those of you listening or watching this, we actually send each other photographs at times um, of enemas. We won't go into that topic right now. Um, but I've loved making your dough. I love my cultured wellness coconut kefir and my yogurt. And I always thought it was so hard. It all seemed so overwhelming. And then Kirsty embarrassingly got me up at a talk, I think in Toowoomba, in front of a couple of hundred people and said, well, I'll get my friend Kim on how to make, you know, cultured yogurt or was it the kefir no, it was the yogurt it the yogurt. yogurt so she gets me up on stage just so those of you that didn't know this gets me up on stage and I'm thinking oh good I'll learn it because I'm a visual person I need to see it she said empty the four cans into the jar which I did four cans of, of iron coconut cream and then add the culture out of her beautiful um, range which I did stirred it and I looked at her and she said that's it and put the lid on oh put the lid on sorry yeah that was difficult um and I just about died the audience laughed thought it was hysterical but I didn't realize how easy it was yeah gosh so. that was funny and I even made you put on an apron <laughs> such no, no need no such need such a brat such oh. a brat but my gosh it it's as silly as it sounds. Even I never knew how to make butter. I had a Thermomix for years. And then I was at a demo one day, which just shows you why it's so important to go to talks or yeah. tune into um, Zoom, you know, webinars and things like that. Because sometimes it's just that little simple thing. And when I watched someone make butter in the Thermomix, it was like, oh, that's easy. I over whip my cream all the time. So <laughs> I didn't realize if I just kept going, it would turn into butter. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I really want to acknowledge you for making it easy. And if you're listening to this thinking, oh, it's a little bit too much or overwhelming, I'm telling you from my hand on heart, it's not. And my kids know that just a tablespoon of sauerkraut every night with dinner, um, they'll get the yogurt in their smoothies, the diversity dough. I now add things like spring onions and I can have sun-dried tomatoes or capsicums in that now and I put chili in there and I put jalapenos and then that with a big knob of butter when it's toasted. Oh, my gosh, my tummy is rumbling. So, And I know you have a cookbook. Um, would you like to tell us? We can get that all off your website. Yeah, so delicious. Delicious. What a name. I love oh, that so much. So it, it's, a, it's a joy to look at. It's a beautiful book, um, absolutely beautiful book and um, photographed by Jordan Pye. And, yeah, it's it's a real inspiration, a real yeah. inspiration, that book. And, and you know, a lot of people say to me, it's too hard, it's too hard, it's too hard. And during um, COVID, I just said, okay, let's just start up a cooking class and you guys in your kitchen and me in my kitchen and let's cook together. Let's, let's actually just cook together. And while we're cooking, you can ask me anything you want. And who would have thought that like harebrain idea that I had of like, let's bring community together. Let's make sure we're all still connecting and, you know, chatting, even though we can't see each other. Those cooking classes have gone crazy town. At, like we're doing a whole Christmas one at the moment. I know. I love so it. Each, each week we're cooking stuff and people are putting it in their freezers. And so, you know, Christmas day, voila, here we go. Look but at me. I, I love it because I get to talk about food and how, you know, this particular food, what it will do for this particular 
thing that's going on for you or, you know, how do you soak your nuts and seeds or did you know that egg yolks have choline, which is so important for liver function and brain function and I get to nerd out so much, Kim. It's just the biggest joy. I rattle off all the stuff I love and it's totally about me sharing all of my learnings. But, um, yeah, so it's just a great place for people to start because even people that have been with Culture Wellness for years have come to those cooking classes saying, oh, look, I'm just still nervous. Like, there's no need. There's no need. So, it is. And it's it's almost going back to culture and tradition of what yeah, our yeah. forefathers and mothers would have done to preserve their food and the way we looked after ourselves and how we nurtured our guts without maybe all the refrigeration processes and all these things. So yeah. it's good to bring the bugs back, hey? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So just to finish off, you beautiful soul, what is your favourite quote or what would you say most of all to your clients on a daily basis? Okay, so um, as, you know, as we were talking about before, I'm horrible at remembering quotes. I'm just terrible. I, I think you're amazing. You've always got a quote at the top of, you know, tip of your tongue. But what I would always say to my clients, you know, in overwhelm or it's never going to work or, you know, everyone's given up on me, it would be connect to nature and it will absolutely connect you back to yourself. So let nature just hold you in that space and it will all flow from there. That is so beautiful. I've been writing notes the whole way, as I know many of our listeners do take notes. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, I'm so proud to call you a close friend. And I feel very privileged that the network that we have, not only here on the coast, but throughout Australia, New Zealand, even the world, that there are so many people that come up to us at times and go, oh my gosh, I've heard you on Kirsty's podcast, or oh my gosh, I take her cultures, or I use your oils, or it's just so beautiful to be part of a a business community where we truly have got each other's back and we truly do champion one another and so I just want to say publicly how proud I am of you how honored I am to work alongside of you at times and also just thank you for the difference you make to our planet to our community and to our families it really is and does make a massive difference you beautiful soul Oh, thank you, Kim. Oh, thank you. That touches my heart and I feel the same way. It's just so wonderful that we are, we're just deviants together. It's so much fun. But we really do, you know, I just love supporting everything that you do as well and all of the joy that you bring to women when they suddenly get to see themselves that they've never, and men as well, of course. But, you know, I just think it's so important that, and, as you know, your beautiful videos that I've put up in our programs, they are absolutely the first things that people, first video that people see when they go through our programs because that's the key ingredient. And, you know, it's just so wonderful to have you in the culture wellness space and, of course, in the world. You know, it's so beautiful. So <laughs> we, be- I- we belong to the Mutual Admiration Society. I oh, think. absolutely. <laughs> I think it's such a privilege. Kirsty Worth, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We love you dearly. Take care, beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. 
check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Couch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.